Narayanam Namaskritya Naram Chaivanarotamam Devim Sarasatim Vyasam Tato Jayam Udiraye We're reading from the Srimad Bhagavatam, 11th Canto, 2nd Chapter, starting at text number 32. And this is uh, Maharaj Nimi meets the nine Yogendras. We're starting with uh, Havi Yogendra because there's Havi, Kavi, Antariksha, Prabodha, Pipalayana, Prabodha, Pipalayana, Havi, Kavi, Havi, Kavi, Antarik, Havi, Kavi, Antariksha. Prabodha, Pipalayana, Avirhotra, Drumala, Chamasa, and Karabhajana. The nine Yogendras. <laughs> Dhammadar Prabhu's favorite. <laughs> Sri Narada said, O Vasudev, when Maharaj Nimi had thus inquired from the nine Yogendras about devotional service to the Lord, those best of saintly persons sincerely thanked the king for his questions and spoke to him with affection in the presence of the members of the sacrificial assembly and the Brahmana priests. Purport. According to Sridhar Swami, not only the king but also the members of the assembly and the priests conducting the sacrifice were all devoted to hearing and chanting the glories of devotional service to the Supreme Personality of Godhead. The sages, beginning with Kavi, will now each speak in turn, answering the questions of the king. So it's Kavi-Havi. Kavi-Havi Antariksha. Shri Kavir Uvacha. Manye Kutaschit Vayam Achutasya Padam Bhujosa Pasanam Atranityam Udvigna Bhudher Asadatma Bhavad Vishatmana Yatra Nivartate Bhi Sri Kavi said, I consider that one whose intelligence is constantly disturbed by his falsely identifying himself with the temporary material world can achieve real freedom from fear only by worshipping the lotus feet of the infallible Supreme Lord. In such devotional service, all fear ceases entirely. Purport, in the opinion of Srila Sridhar Swami, the word asadatma bhavat in this verse indicates that the living entity is constantly disturbed by fear because he identifies his eternal self with the temporary material body and its paraphernalia. Similarly, Srila Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur has stated bhakti pratikula deha griha deshva saktim because of one's attachment to one's temporary body and so-called home, family, friends, and so on, 
One's intelligence is always disturbed by fear, and one is unable to appreciate or practice pure devotional service to the Supreme Lord. So-called religious activities executed in the bodily conception of life are always accompanied by fear and anxiety about the ultimate result. But pure devotional service to the Supreme Personality of Godhead frees one from fear and anxiety because it is executed on the platform of Vaikuntha or the spiritual plane. So-called religious activities executed in the bodily conception of life are always accompanied by fear and anxiety about the ultimate result. But pure devotional service to the Supreme Personality of God frees one from fear and anxiety because it is executed on the platform of Vaikuntha or the spiritual plane where there is no fear or anxiety. According to Srila Jiva Goswami, the process of bhakti yoga is so powerful that even in the stage of sadhana bhakti, in which one is practicing devotional service through rules and regulations, the neophyte can have a direct experience of fearlessness by the mercy of the Lord. As one's devotional service becomes mature, the Lord reveals himself in the devotee, and all fear is totally vanquished forever. That's 11.233. Every living entity has a natural propensity to serve God, but because of false identification with the temporary body, one loses touch with this pure constitutional propensity and instead inauspiciously becomes attached to temporary sense gratification in the form of body, home, family, and so on. The result of such false attachment is continuing distress, which can be eradicated only by devotional service to the Supreme Lord. In this connection, Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati has quoted the following verse, Tavat bhayam dravina deha surin nimitan shokaspreha paribhavo vipulash chalobha tavan mametya sad avagraha arti mulam Yavan Naten Grun Abayam Kravranitaloka Water for all my friends. If you need water, we have water now. Oh my Lord, <coughs> the people of the world are embarrassed by all material anxieties. They are always afraid. They they always try to protect wealth, body and friends and they are filled with lamentation and unlawful desires and paraphernalia. And they avariciously base their undertakings on the perishable conceptions of eye and mind. As long as they do not take shelter of your safe lotus feet, they are full of such, ang such anxieties. That's Bhagavatam 396. Grab the 396, would you please? And so <clears throat> there's a couple verses related in the Bhagavad Gita Bhogaishvarya prasaktanam taya prahita chetasam vyavasaya vika bhudhir ekeha kurunandana in the Gita Krishna says if someone's considering material enjoyment as attached to it Bhogaishvarya prasaktanam taya prahita chetasam one's consciousness is inclined in that direction then the intelligence is unsteady because uh, it's uh, being drawn away f from the uh, the 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 um, fix of being fixed on the supreme Lord 
in the first canto, fifth chapter, Narada Muni says that to Vyasadeva, anything you desire to describe that is separate in vision from the Lord simply disturbs the mind as a, a boat on water is disturbed by the wind when it has no resting place. And um, then, of course, Bhayam Dvitiya Binibesha Tasyad Ishadapi Tasya Viparya Yosmiti may even be coming up in this section. Uh, this famous verse from, I think it's from Kavi Yogendra coming up soon, says that um, when one's uh, considering Advitiya, which means a second thing besides God, because God is Advaya Gyantattva, there's nothing beyond Krishna, everything's Krishna. And a person who's aware of Krishna sees him in all circumstances. In fact, I just heard Prabhupada in a lecture saying that what is the difficulty to see God because he's within everything and he's all-pervading. <coughs> and if a person's seeing something separate, which means I identify with my body as being my body separate from God, then fear arises. So this is an unsteady situation for living entity. Any other thoughts or comments or related? verses that you want to bring up? Yes, yes Prabhu. Yesterday, yesterday you mentioned that uh, because taking the position of Krishna's competitor. Yes. The materialist just grabs it. Yeah. Because the Krishna's competitor even the demons are naturally fearful of Krishna, even when they see him. Because the joint propensity is so much there to exploit material nature. That creates a natural fear in the heart of the living entity. Because he's automatically become Krishna's competitor. That's in that verse. Bhayandvitiya vinibeshatasya ishat aketasya vipari. Opposite. He's uh, opposite his actual condition, which is being a servitor of Krishna, and he starts to think of himself as a competitor. And this is also. The demons. It's mentioned when Putana came to kill Krishna, she was sent by Kamsa. She's, she has started to feel some fear when she approached the little baby. She, she uh, one of the acharyas says it was like a sword in a sheath. And she sensed that there's death personified as she was approaching. There's a fearfulness. Any other thoughts? I'm going to um, read the, the verse that was uh, quoted by Srila Bhakti Siddhanta 396. This is from Brahma's prayers for creative energy. And here's the verse. Oh my Lord, the people of the world are embarrassed by all material anxieties. They're always afraid. They always try to protect wealth, body, and friends. They are filled with lamentation and unlawful desires and paraphernalia. And they avariciously base their undertakings on the perishable conceptions of my and mine. As long as they do not take shelter of your safe lotus feet, they are full of anxieties. So tavad means until then, bhayam, fear, dravina, wealth, deha, body, surit, relatives. Nimitan, for the matter of 
shoka, lamentations, praha, desire, paribhava, teraphernalia, vipula, very great, cha also, loba, avarice, tavad, up to that time, mama, mine, itidas, a sat perishable, avagraha, undertaking, arti mulam, full of anxieties, Yavat, as long as this is a Tavat Yavat verse. There's a lot of Tavat Yavat verses that, that until then, as long as Tavat Karma Nakurvita Nanivitya Na, do not take your Angrim Abhayam. That's nice. Angrim means the lotus feet, Abhayam means uh, fearless, safe, safe lotus feet. Pravranita, take shelter, loka, the people of the world. Purport, one may question, Prabhupada's purport, how one can always think of the Lord in regard to his name, fame, quality, etc., if one is embarrassed by thoughts of family affairs. Everyone in the material world is full of thoughts about how to maintain his family, how to protect his wealth, how to keep pace with friends and relatives, etc. Thus, he is always in fear and lamentation, trying to keep up with the status quo. In answer to this question, this verse spoken by Brahma is very appropriate. A pure devotee of the Lord never thinks of himself as the proprietor of his home. He surrenders everything under the supreme control of the Lord, and thus he has no fear for maintaining his family or protecting the interests of his family. Because of this surrender, he no longer has any attraction for wealth. Even if there is attraction for wealth, it is not for sense enjoyment, but for the service of the Lord. A pure devotee may be attracted to accumulating wealth, just like an ordinary man, but the difference is that a devotee acquires money for the service of the Lord, whereas the ordinary man acquires money for his sense enjoyment. Thus, the acquisition of wealth by a devotee is not a source of anxieties, as is the case for a worldly man. And because a pure devotee accepts everything in the sense of serving the Lord, the poisonous teeth of accumulation of wealth are extricated or extracted. If a snake has its poison removed and bites a man, there is no fatal effect. Similarly, wealth accumulated in the cause of the Lord has no poisonous teeth, and the effect is not fatal. A pure devotee is never entangled in material worldly affairs, even though he may remain in the world like an ordinary man. That same example is given in the case of Ajamil, because he had unknowingly spoken the holy name of the Lord because he named his youngest son Narayan. And the question comes up, how is it, after saying the name of Narayan, that he was free from all sinful reactions, that he went on sinning for some time. And the answer is given by Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur in that section of the Bhagavatam, that although it appeared that he was sinning, the sins had no effect on him because he was already free from all sinful reactions. From chanting the holy name, and he gives the same example that just as, like a snake, it has teeth removed, its fangs removed, although it appeared to be biting, it was not um, giving any poison. It kind of relates to a little bit to what we were talking about this morning in the Bhagavatam class, that it may appear that there's uh, sinful 
reactions coming to a devotee, but actually they don't have the same effect as they do in an ordinary person. And then here, anyone who's moving about the world using things like uh, wealth in service of the Lord doesn't feel the same kind of anxiety and fear that an ordinary person does who is concerned with keeping it for him, him or herself. This is, um, Krishna says in the Gita, you can look this up, somebody grab, Prabhu grab the Gita. Raman yadaya karmani karman sangam chakva manishina, I'm blowing it. Brahman yadaya karmani sangam chakva manishina, sorry. Where is it? Oh, it's right here. It's the fifth chapter of Gita. Brahman yadaya karmani sangam chakva karotiya lipitena sapapina, that's 510, for those who are keeping score at home. Lipitena sapapina padma patram ivambasa. What a beautiful verse, right? He says, Brahmani, unto the Supreme Personality of Godhead. So that's really important. If someone's considering what, whatever he has, she has that this is uh, for the Supreme Personality of Godhead. And touching the wealth is very different from somebody who's attached and thinking, I need this for my family, for my own protection. So, Brahman Adhaya, resigning. Karmani means all works. So, Brahman, uh, Brahman Yadhaya Karmani, so all works, whatever he's doing, is dedicated to the Supreme Lord. Sangam, attachment, Chaktva, giving up, Karoti, performs, Ya. So one who uh, performs all activities but is giving up the results uh, for the Supreme. Lipyate is affected, Na, never, Sahi, Papena, by sin. Padma Patram Ivambasa. Iva means like, Ambasa means the water, and uh, Padma Patram is a lotus leaf. One who performs his duty without attachment, surrendering the results under the Supreme Lord, is unaffected by sinful action as the lotus leaf is untouched by the water. Prabhupada's purport. Here, Brahmani means in Krishna consciousness. The material world is a sum total manifestation of the three modes of material nature, technically called pradhana. The Vedic hymn, Sarvam Hetad Brahma Mundak Mandukya Upanishad. Tasmade tad brahmanama rupam anam chajayate mundakupanishad. And in the Bhagavad Gita 14.3, Mama Yunir Mahat Brahma indicated everything in the material world is a manifestation of Brahman. And although the effects are differently manifested, they are non different from the cause. Ah, look at that. It's somebody seeing that, that everything's coming from the Supreme and the cause. Uh, that's coming from him is everything we see around us, then he's never separated because seeing that this is all the energy of the Supreme Personality of God, which is actually non-different <coughs> from the original, although Krishna maintains his individual existence. In the Ishapanishad, it is said that everything is related to the Supreme Brahman or Krishna, and thus everything belongs to him only. One who knows perfectly well that everything belongs to Krishna, that he is the proprietor of everything and that therefore everything is engaged in the service of the Lord, naturally has nothing to do with the results of his activities. 
whether virtuous or sinful. Even one's material body being a gift of the Lord for carrying out a particular type of action can be engaged in Krishna consciousness. It is then beyond contamination by sinful reactions, exactly as the lotus leaf, though remaining in the water, is not wet. The Lord also says in the Gita 3.30, Mai sarvani karmani sanyasya, resign all works unto me, Krishna. The conclusion is that a person without Krishna consciousness acts according to the concept of the material body and senses, but a person in Krishna consciousness acts according to the knowledge that the body is the property of Krishna and should therefore be engaged in the service of Krishna. So now we're back to the Srimad Bhagavatam. At 11.234, Yevai Bhagavata Prokta Upaya Hyatma Labdaye Anja Pungsam Avidusham Vidi Bhagavatan Hitan. Even ignorant living entities can very easily come to know the Supreme Lord if they adopt these those means prescribed by the Supreme Lord Himself. The process recommended by the Lord is to be known as Bhagavata Dharma or devotional service to the Supreme Personality of Godhead. That translation is so nice, I have to read it again. Even ignorant living entities can very easily come to know the Supreme Lord if they adopt those means prescribed by the Supreme Lord Himself. The process recommended by the Lord is to be known as Bhagavata Dharma or devotional service to the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Purport. There are many Vedic scriptures, such as Manusamhita, that present standard injunctions for the peaceful arrangement of human society. Such Vedic knowledge is based on the Varnashrama system, which scientifically divides human society into four occupational divisions, as well as four spiritual divisions. According to Srila Sridhar Swami, however, Knowledge that can bring one directly in contact with the Supreme Personality of God is called Atirahasyam. What's it called? Atirahasyam. Or the most confidential knowledge. Atirahasyavat Swa Mukhinaiva Bhagavata Vidusham Api Pumsang Anja Sukhinaivatma Labdaye. Bhagavata Dharma is so confidential that it is spoken by the Lord Himself. The essence of Bhagavata Dharma is given in Bhagavad Gita, wherein Krishna personally instructs Arjuna. Yet in the eleventh canto of Srimad Bhagavatam, the Lord will give instructions to Uddhava that surpass even the teachings given to Arjuna in Bhagavad Gita. As Srila Prabhupada has stated, undoubtedly Bhagavad Gita was spoken by the Lord on the battlefield of Krukshetra just to encourage Arjuna to fight, and yet to complete the transcendental knowledge of Bhagavad Gita, the Lord instructed Uddhava. The Lord wanted Uddhava to fulfill his mission and disseminate knowledge, which he had not spoken even in Bhagavad Gita. That's a Bhagavatam purport, uh, 3432. 3432. Prabhu. Is that where we are? Here. 
Similarly, it is understood that the knowledge that will be presented here by the nine Yogendras is not their personal concoction, but is authorized knowledge originally spoken by the Lord Himself. According to Srila Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati, the living entities in the course of their wanderings throughout the cycle of birth and death lose all trace of the personality of Godhead. But when they hear the eternally auspicious topics spoken by the Supreme Lord for their benefit and understand their eternal identities as spirit souls, the realized experience of being an eternal servant of Krishna becomes the basis of Bhagavata Dharma. In the soul's experience as a pure Vaishnava or servant of God, there is no consideration of being different from God or the same as God, nor is one interested in the kingdom of material sense gratification. The pure devotee simply perceives his particular devotional service to the Supreme Lord and sees himself as an individual part and parcel of the ultimate shelter. A pure devotee experiences that his, ver that his very being is tied by ropes of loving devotion to the ultimate shelter himself in one of his direct personal expansions. That's quite a sentence. A pure devotee experiences that his very being is tied by ropes of loving affection to the ultimate shelter of him shelter himself in one of his direct personal expansions. How does that make you feel? <coughs> Gopal Champu, how does that make you feel? Makes you feel good. How's that makes you feel like reaffirming that Krishna is there. He's there. He's, he's, he's seeing over us. He's watching over us. You have a relationship with one of his direct personal expansions. And in such a perfect state of consciousness, the devotee can perceive the all-pervading, variegated forms of the Absolute Truth. This uh, idea of the... Um, of being bound by the ropes of love is also here in the 11th canto. Find in the last verse, this is verse 55 from the second chapter. This is 11.255 for those who are keeping score at home. With the translation is, the Supreme Personality of God it is so kind to the conditioned souls that if they call upon Him by speaking His holy name, even unintentionally or unwillingly, the Lord is inclined to destroy innumerable sinful reactions in their hearts. Therefore, when a devotee who has taken shelter of the Lord's lotus feet chants the holy name of Krishna with genuine love, the Supreme Personality of God it can never give up the heart of such a devotee. One who has thus captured the Supreme Lord within his heart is to be known as Bhagavata Pradhana, the most exalted devotee of the Lord. Tell us what you're thinking. Captured by devotees who uh, <coughs> bound him by, his, by chanting and holding him with love and devotion. Yeah. Pranayarsanaya. Pranayarsanaya means the ropes. 
Pranay Rishaniya Drutangri Padma ties his lotus feet to their hearts. Some, he becomes so um, attached to those who are. This is also mentioned in the second verse of the Bhagavatam Dharma Projita Kaitavo Tra Paramonir Matsaranam Satam Vedam Basam Matra Shivaram Tapam Trayan Mulanam Srimad Bhagavate Mahamuni Krite Kim Bhaprayarishvara Sadyo Hridyavarudyate Trakriti Bi Shushu Shubhishtakshara Sadyo means very immediately. Sadyo Hridyavarudyate means that uh, the Lord becomes uh, captured in the heart of the person who hears Srimad Bhagavatam and he won't leave because he's so attracted to the subject matter himself and uh, apparently grateful to the devotee who's hearing that subject. That's how powerful the Bhagavatam is. So, Prabhu, where am I now? To 11 to 35? Right. And did I finish the purport? I did, right? Yeah. And then we were looking at, see, from the purport at 3.432, Prabhupada is, has quoted from, well, is quoted in this last purport from uh, this verse, which is, Vidura approaches Maitreya. Shukadev Goswami in 3.432, Evam Triloka Guruna Sandishta Shabda Yonina Badarashrayam Badarash Shramam Asadya Harim Ije Samadina. Shukadev Goswami informed the king that Uddhava, being thus instructed by the Supreme Personality of Godhead, who is the source of all Vedic knowledge and the spiritual master of the three worlds, reached the pilgrimage site of Bhadarikashrama and engaged himself there in trance to satisfy the Lord. And the Prabhupada's purport, Lord Sri Krishna is factually the spiritual master of the three worlds. And he is the original source of all Vedic knowledge. It is very difficult, however, to understand the personal feature of the Absolute Truth even from the Vedas. His personal instructions are needed in order to understand the Personality of Godhead as the Supreme Absolute Truth. Bhagavad Gita is the evidence of such transcendental knowledge in gist. One cannot know the Supreme Lord unless one is graced by the Lord Himself. Lord Krishna exhibited this specific mercy toward Arjuna in Uddhava while he was in the material world. Undoubtedly, Bhagavad Gita was spoken by the Lord on the battlefield of Krukshetra just to encourage Arjuna to fight. And yet, to complete the transcendental knowledge of Bhagavad Gita, the Lord instructed Uddhava. The Lord wanted Uddhava to fulfill his mission and disseminate knowledge which he had not spoken even in the Bhagavad Gita. See, if someone actually reads the Bhagavad Gita, and most people don't, they just say, oh, I know Gita, I've heard of Bhagavad Gita. When we show them a Bhagavatam, they go, oh, I already have Bhagavad Gita. <laughs> and it's like, don't think like that, that you, ha you, know, you already know something or you can't get anything more. And anybody who actually experiences the Bhagavad Gita as the most important book in their whole existence will also want to hear the Uddhava Gita because they'll understand that, oh, he said more. And then 
I mean, if somebody actually has that desire to hear, then they become qualified to hear more. Otherwise, if you don't have an appetite, you can't hear anything. I met a man when I was going door to door. He came out in his bathrobe. It was like 11 o'clock in the morning. And he looked at the book and he goes, I know everything. And uh, I was like, well, there it is. And I called all the other devotees. I said, you got to get up here. This guy knows everything. I introduced them all. I said, come on. He's, he knows everything. And he goes, why? Well, <laughs> but that's the mentality. People think I know everything. So they can't hear the Uddhava Gita. Or they don't even take time to read the Bhagavad Gita. So, um, the Lord wanted Uddhava to fulfill the, his mission of dis, to, and disseminate knowledge which he had not spoken even in Bhagavad Gita. Persons who are attached to the words of the Vedas may also know from this verse that the Lord is the source of all Vedic knowledge. One who is able to understand the Supreme Personality of God by going through the pages of the Vedas may take shelter of one of the Lord's devotees, such as Uddhava, in order to advance further in knowledge of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. We mentioned that this morning in class from the verse, um, what, what did I quote from the Upadeshamrita? Tanam Rupa Charitadi Sukirtana. The Brahma Samhita says that it is very difficult to understand the Supreme Personality of God from the Vedas, but he is easily understood from a pure devotee, like Uddhava. Taking mercy on the great sages who lived at Bhattarikashram, the Lord authorized Uddhava to speak on his behalf. Unless one has such authorization, one cannot understand or preach the devotional service of the Lord. While present on this earth, the Lord executed many uncommon activities, even traveling in space to bring down the Parijata from heaven and recovering the son of his teacher, Sandipani Muni, from the regions of death. Uddhava was certainly informed of the conditions of life on other planets, and all the sages were anxious to know of them, just as we are anxious to know about the planets in space. Uddhava was particularly deputed to carry a message to Bhattarikashram not only to the sages of that place of pilgrimage, but also to the Narnarayan deities. That's how confidential the talks were. He went there to t tell the deities <laughs> about what Krishna told him. <laughs> Such a message must have been more confidential than the knowledge described in the pages of the Vedas. The Lord is undoubtedly the source of all knowledge, and the message is dispatched through Uddhava, to Narnarayan, and other sages were also part of the Vedic knowledge, but they were more confidential and could be sent or authorized only through such a pure devotee as Uddhava. You can see how important book distribution is because when you're going out, you're representing, uh, I mean, you're actually distributing the same knowledge, even what Uddhava heard from, from, uh, from Krishna himself. And, you know, you're you're just you're dispatching it to the to the people in general, and um, it in you know its complete form. You immediately become dear to the Lord for doing that, since such confidential knowledge was known only to the Lord and Uddhava. It is said that Uddhava was as good as the Lord Himself. Every living entity can, like Uddhava, also become a confidential messenger 
on the same level as the Lord, provided he becomes confidential himself by dint of loving devotional service. Such confidential knowledge is entrusted as confirmed in Bhagavad Gita only to pure devotees like Uddhava and Arjuna and one has to learn the mystery through them and not otherwise. One cannot understand Bhagavad Gita or Srimad Bhagavatam without the help of such confidential devotees of the Lord. According to Srila Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur, that confidential message must have concerned the mystery of his departure and the annihilation of his dynasty after the end of his appearance in the mundane world for 100 years. Everyone must have been very anxious to know about the mystery of the annihilation of the Yadu dynasty and that message must have been explained by the Lord to Uddhava and dispatched to Bhadarikashrama for the information of Narnarayan and other pure devotees of the Lord. Okay, reflections and questions time. Gopal Chambu. Okay. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. So, I was just couple points just on one point on this on the value of this confidential knowledge and how um, actually uh, people well, you could say you, you have to have a hunger for it um, I was uh, I just had this experience I was in Bangalore and we were going out to one program and I just decided to bring out a Canada Bhagavatam set I said you know let's bring it and the devotee's like ah oh, what are you gonna do with that I said listen you know you, you never know you just bring it and so we set it on the book table, and maybe about two hours into the event, some lady just came up, but then she said, "I'll be back in two minutes." She came back with her son, made him, made him, made, her, uh, made him take out his wallet, and uh, and took his credit card and said, "Here, how much? Just take it. I want to take this at home with me." And then he went on to tell me that she had read the Bhakti, um, the Nectar of Devotion, the Science of Self-Realization, the Bhagavad Gita, and she said she's just going mad. She just wants to read everything. So, so. She I was wondering, this knowledge is something that is uh, so important that it will actually take us from this world to the spiritual world. Uh, something you know, which is life-saving, even in this material world, like for example, CPR is not confidential. It is advertised and it is taught in schools because it's so important. So why would this most important knowledge be confidential, hidden? deep within the Vedas, it almost looks like the world is actually biased, I mean, uh, uh, very much partial to Maya, and uh, so it, it looks like that, huh? <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one, it looks like the, most people are, in the world are partial to Maya, yeah. Yeah, so why is it, why is it that when the Lord has designed this world, uh, that actually the most important knowledge is deep within, hidden amongst the pages of Veda, where he says that it's not even available in the Vedas. Right? So why is it so confidential? Well, there's a couple of answers. One is, first of all, that it's not that hidden, actually. And then the says, Raja Vijay Raja Kuhyam, and his verse in the ninth chapter of the Gita, Krishna is saying this is 
the most secret of all secrets. But Prabhupada reveals in the purport that actually, how can you say it's secret? It's really uh, advertised everywhere. I mean, Bhagavad Gita is everywhere. And I mentioned it earlier. Everyone says, I know Gita. But, they, you know, they don't even touch it. They just just say that, you know, what does Gita mean? Do your work. Uh, they don't know. But they miss it. And that brings up the point that, you know, until one's open to hearing it, then it remains confidential to those, to those people. Another answer is that Krishna provides all various options for living entities because that's the meaning of free will. If there's not unlimited options for the living entities, and practically, I mean, you could really say there's unlimited options. For instance, there's 8,400,000 species of life. What if Krishna only gave 10 species as an option for the living entity to try to enjoy material nature? Then you could complain. You could lodge a complaint and say, you know, hey, I only got 10 species. That's not enough. There must be something more. But he gives 8,400,000 different experiences in the material world, combinations and permutations of senses to try to interact with the external world for the living entity to live out his dream of trying to enjoy. In a similar way, there's all kinds of uh, paths that are available. And Krishna makes those paths viable just because there are people that want to follow something else besides the path of pure devotional service and he provides the facility for them to do that. I get this from the commentary again of the sixth canto of the Srimad Bhagavatam in the section of Ajamil from Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur where he says that sometimes when devotees chant Hare Krishna, that section is about chanting Hare Krishna, they, they receive um, the result uh, at varying, to varying degrees or at different times. He first gives the example of a tree, the, the fruit comes from the tree and its own uh, due course of time. And similarly the result comes to devotees at different times. Some of them don't see the full result, he says, until they leave their bodies. And um, then one of the reasons he gives is that he doesn't want to give everyone instant success in the process of bhakti because it will discourage people who are attached to the path of jnana and yoga, etc. And so this is, this is uh, evidence of this way in which Krishna um, makes it confidential for, uh, because only a person who really desires it can uh, penetrate and, and take it and uh, some people, even after seeing it, aren't inclined. They want something else. So Krishna gives them that facility to enjoy it. Samaham sarvabhuteshu. He says, I'm equal to everybody. So he gives equal opportunity. That means he has to make the landscape favorable for them to take it and not think that, uh, oh, I missed something here. Two answers. Yeah, I, I, I can relate to that because if you take the example of a jail, right? Uh, the jail manual will probably say all the uh, things that you can do to be very comfortable in the jail. Yeah. But uh, the very most confidential knowledge would probably be how to escape out of the jail. Yeah, that's okay. good. Yeah. Did you put that on Quora? <laughs> <laughs> He's got thousands of followers on Quora. He talks that he preaches there. It's good. I like that a lot. Uh, points? Questions or reflections?
Is there anybody online? No questions online. Okay. Yes? So this which are being referred to here. Yeah. Could you please elaborate a bit more on the Narayan referred here? You see the Narayan as a uh, supreme personality of God and not uh, yeah, there's Nara, 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 and Rishi, so they said it's like a Krishna and Arjuna. Um, Krishna and his eternal associate. So. He engaged himself there in trance to satisfy the world. He engaged himself in trance to satisfy the world. This is the point I'm taking that we must do each and everything to satisfy the world. Some city of Haditoshanam. The truth is there within the hearts of the pure devotees. It's mentioned in, in the uh, Bhagavatam that that clear understanding is there. Not only that, the Bhavadvita Bhagavatas Tirta Bhuta Swayam Vibo, Tirta Kurvanti Tirtani Svantakstena Gadavrita, Yudhishtirta Vidura said that you carry the Supreme Personality guided within your heart, therefore wherever you go becomes a place of pilgrimage. And the pure devotees, even when they come to the places of pilgrimage, they purify even those places. Because most people go there and they just leave their sins. And then the pure devotee goes there and those sins are purified even by the pure devotee. It's even more potent than a holy place personified. And one of the reasons is the pure devotee has something that even Krishna doesn't have and that's love for Krishna. That's there within the heart. And that's the most coveted of all the uh, substances that you can get in the universe. Oh, Havi Prabhu, Hare Krishna, please come in. Vancha Kapala Risha, Kripa Sindhavayavacha, Patitanam Bhavya, Vaishnavavya, Unamunamaha, Nantakoti Vaishnavindikita. Here, if you're comfortable, you can sit here. Hare Krishna. You're coming from a parikram. You look like That's a sa. Here. Thank you so much. Sure. Did you hold that for a second? Get resituated. Thanks for coming. How did you find out we we're having this? It's a kuyam. <laughs> this is Gupta. Gup, Gupta. <laughs> okay.
so we were just talking about, um, we were just having reflections because we were moving from one purport to the next and a discussion about the confidential nature of devotional service, how it's, uh, even in all the Vedas, there's not a um, obvious indication immediately when you look at the Vedas. You have to come to the uh, inner sanctum, sanctorium uh, of the association of devotees to hear about the confidential topics of devotional service. We're reading from the 11th canto mm -hmm. in the section of uh, Kaviyogendra. Uh, he's speaking about how the uh, process of following the exact instruction of the Supreme Personality of Godhead is so powerful that any living entity who follows that will have success because uh, it's a direct and you're, you're uh, connecting with the Supreme Personality of God directly by following these instructions and going into the process of devotional service. And then uh, someone who performs that kind of service with love binds the lotus feet of the Lord within his heart. Those are some of the, th there are other things. You want to tell them a few other things? Yes. The last point you were mentioning was, we are devotees. It's got something more than Krishna. Right. Yeah. That's the only. last thing we we're talking about is how the, the pure devotee is the most valuable because in Krishna's association, because the pure devotee carries love for Krishna within his heart, and so that's actually what we're after. Even more than being after Krishna, we're after love for Krishna. So the pure devotee has that within the heart. So the association of the of the pure devotees is most valuable. We also talk about uh, how uh, the devotee gets free of fear. Gets free of fear. The devotee gets free of fear. We talked about that in the beginning. Because that was in the... In the somebody becomes uh, attached to Krishna and sees that everything belongs to him. No longer claims proprietorship over anything not my family or my money, thinking it all belongs to Krishna, then um, such a person becomes fearless in the material world because he's only attached to Krishna's lotus feet. And Prabhupada mentions how it's not prohibited to uh, collect money. He said, but the devotee uh, collects money and is thinking how to use this for Krishna. But it's if somebody's thinking how to keep it for himself, then then it's a cause of fear and attachment and so forth. Anything else? Yes, Prabhu? Another thing I was uh, just remembering was in the Krishna book, Krishna mentioned somewhere where he's talking about Uddhava and he says, I consider Uddhava even more dear to me than my own self. And um, in the third canto, 16th chapter, I forget exactly the verse, but Krishna is speaking and he's saying, the only reason I have any opulence is because of the, I, I worship the lotus feet of my devotees. Mm -hmm. so. That's right. Well, it pursues the same point. Krishna makes that point also. My pure, pure devotees, I purify the three worlds, he says. Yes, Prabhu? Just reading the purpose on the last verse of the 11th and 2nd chapter, it says that how one man chants the holy name even 
unattentive and without attention, Krishna is uh, Krishna takes it seriously. And then what to speak of the devotee who chant the blood, he is bound by the love of the Thai so Pranaya Rasanaya the lotus feet of the Lord with ropes of love. As he starts by saying that if um, if one even unintentionally chants the holy name of the Lord, Krishna's inclined to that person to destroy unlimited sinful activities. <laughs> and he said, what to speak of somebody who chants it with love? That person ties the lotus feet of the Lord by the ropes of love within his heart. <coughs> Dr. Jose has a question. <laughs> Dr. Jose, yes, yes, yes. Well, I, I found the point where uh, very interesting where uh, it's talking about the word, word, worldly affairs, the affairs we have in this world, yes. uh, with families and friends, to uh, to not to not lament them, I believe, right? To to not lament their uh, those affairs. Um, but I was wondering if, if the association of the devotees, if that's considered family or friends as well. Or if it's, it falls in under a different category. That's a good question. I'll answer by quoting from uh, the Bhagavatam. Prabhu, grab the first canto, please. And the Queen Kunti's prayers. Because she talks about this. Because she's a pure devotee, and apparently her family is all, I mean, not apparently, his, her family members are all pure devotees. But at the same time, there's this interesting dichotomy because they're also her family, family. Uh, send it to the detail, detailing shop. Thank you. You know which verse I'm talking about, right? Yeah. Okay. Sever my. <coughs> But please sever my attraction for my family members and kinsmen. Let me be attracted to you. Here, I'll get it. Yeah, so this is Queen Kunti. Uh, yeah, it was further on, right? These are important um, verses. Okay. Thank you, 41. Okay. So, 1841, Queen Kuti says, Atta Vishve Shavishvatma. Vishvamurte Sukeshume, Sneha Pasham Imam Chindi, Dridam Pandushu, Vrishnishu. O Lord of the Universe, Soul of the Universe, O Personality of the Form of the Universe, please therefore sever my tie of affection for my kinsmen, the Pandavas and the Vrishnis. Purport A pure devotee of the Lord is ashamed to ask anything in self interest from the Lord, but the householders are sometimes obliged to ask favors from the Lord being bound by the tie of family affection. Srimati Kunti Devi was conscious of this fact and therefore she prayed to the Lord to cut off the affection, affectionate tie from her own kinsmen, the Pandavas and the Vrishnis. 
The Pandavas are her own sons, and the Vrishnis are the members of her paternal family. What's that? Oh. Krishna was equally related to both the families. Both the families required the Lord's help because both were dependent devotees of the Lord. Srimati Kunti Devi wished Sri Krishna to remain with her sons, the Pandavas, but by doing so, her paternal house would be bereft of the benefit. All these partialities troubled the mind of Kunti, and therefore she desired to cut off the affectionate tie. A pure devotee cuts off the limited ties of affection for his family and widens his activities of devotional service for all forgotten souls. The typical example is the band of six Goswamis who followed the path of Lord Chaitanya. All of them belong to the most enlightened and cultured rich families of the higher caste, but for the benefit of the massive population, they left their comfortable homes and became mendicants. To cut off all family affection means to broaden the field of activities. Without doing this, no one can be qualified as a brahmana, a king, a public leader, or a devotee of the Lord. The personality of Godhead as an ideal king showed this by example. Sri Ramachandra cut off the tie of affection for his beloved wife to manifest the qualities of an ideal king. Such personalities as a brahmana, a devotee, a king, or a public leader must be very broad-minded in discharging their respective duties. Srimati Kunti Devi was conscious of this fact, and being weak, she prayed to be freed from such bondage of family affection. The Lord addressed, the Lord is addressed as the Lord of the universe or the Lord of the universal mind, indicating his all-powerful ability to cut the hard knot of family affection. Therefore, it is sometimes experienced that the Lord, out of his special affinity toward a weak devotee, breaks the family affection by force of circumstances arranged by his all-powerful energy. By doing so, he causes the devotee to become completely dependent on him and thus clears the path for his going back home, back to Godhead. Anyway, the answer to your question is that, yes, there's a difference. So when one's attached to uh, family members, it's in relationship to the body. But when one's attached to devotees, it's in relationship to Krishna. And in the Bhagavatam, Rishabhadeva says in the fifth canto, Mahat sevam dwarabhurma muktes tamodvaram yoshitam sangi sangam mahantaste samachita prasanta vimanyavak suridak saradavoye. That um, the door to liberation is opened when one associates with devotees. And the opposite is true. One becomes bound to the material world more and more when one is attached to family members. That is, those considers my man. Like in the beginning of the Bhagavad Gita, the idea that uh, is going to be unfolding in the Gita comes out in the very first verse when uh, Dhritarashtra says, Dharma Kshetri Kurukshetri Samaveta Yutza Mamaka Pandavaschaiva He says, what's going to happen to my family and the Pandavas? He makes a distinction. So, um, it's a fine line, but that's the, the, the way it it cuts because the devotees are attached to Krishna and family members are attached to, to their own bodies and their relationship with the other bodies that they think are theirs. So one's the cause of bondage and the other is the cause of liberation. Does that help? Yes. Okay. Any other points? Yes. 
it's common to hear that people say, well, will I recognize my mother or my wife or my husband in the spiritual world? I never heard anything about that uh, uh, anywhere in the scripture. Do you have any information about that? Will we recognize them? Because it's only one birth. So it's difficult to find out, right? Well, there's evidence there in the Bhagavatam in the story of Juva Maharaj. To Godhead, he wants his uh, Shiksha Guru, his mother, to come with him. And so, before he steps on the Vaikuntha airplane to take him back to the spiritual world, he said, wait a minute, where's my mom? She's my Guru. And they said, oh no, she's already, they got an airplane for her too. <laughs> you know, she's lined up. <laughs> and uh, also, you'll find in the story of uh, Pururava and Urvashi, that uh, there's a way he got, this is more in the realm of the material world, but sometimes people ask a similar kind of question, say, well, I love such and such so much, you know, can we be together in the next life? Yeah. And the answer is yes, if you really want that, uh, because Urvashi and, and uh, Pururava was especially attached to this god goddess, and I mean, he, he went nuts. It's a good chapter for people to read when they go crazy of being attached to some, you know, the opposite sex. And just like, you want to see what you look like? Read this chapter. Um, then <laughs> he, did a, he did a yagya just so he could um, be with her again in the next life. And so, you know, Krishna can make these kinds of arrangements. So next life also means, once liberated, can be recognized, hey, life. Yeah, well, I mean, just uh, all of the, I was saying one was evidence from on the spiritual side, and his mom, yeah. and the other side was in the material world, you know, being attached to somebody out of lust, and then, you know, Krishna can make the arrangement. I mean, material nature can accommodate all these things. <laughs> Anything else? Well, let's keep going. A little more in the tw in the eleventh canto, right? So here's what we got. We're on eleven two thirty five, if I'm not incorrect. Okay, here it is. Yan as Yan astaya noro rajan na pramadye takarhichit dvavan nirmilia vani tre nas Skalena patet iha. That's eleven two thirty five. Yan, which means, asthaya accepting nara a man rajan o king, na pramadyeta is not bewildered. Karichit ever, davan, running. Nimilia closing va or netre his eyes naskalet will not trip. Napatet will not fall, iha, on this path. O king, one who accepts this process of devotional service to the Supreme Personality of God, it will never blunder on his path in this world. Even while running with eyes closed, he will never trip or fall. Naskalen napatet iha. Purport, according to Srila Sridhar Swami, the word anja, easily, which is used in the previous verse, is explained in this verse. He states, Anja 
padennotam su karatvam vivranoti. By the word anja, the ease of performing bhakti yoga is established, and this will be elaborated in the present verse. In Bhagavad Gita 9.2, the Lord himself states, the process of devotional service to the Supreme Personality of God is eternal and is very joyfully and naturally performed. Srila Prabhupada comments, the process of devotional service is a very happy one. Why? Devotional service consists of Shravanam, Kirtanam, Vishnu, so one can simply hear the chanting of the glories of the Lord or can attend philosophical lectures on transcendental knowledge given by authorized acharyas. Simply by sitting, one can learn. Then one can eat the remnants of the food offered to God, nice palatable dishes. In every state, devotional service is joyful. One can execute devotional service in the, even in the most poverty-stricken condition. The Lord says, Patram Pushpam Palam. He is ready to accept from the devotee any kind of offering, never mind what, even a leaf, a flower, a bit of fruit, or a little water, which are all available in every part of the world, can be offered to any person, regardless of social position, and will be accepted if offered with love. There are many instances of this in history. Simply by tasting the Tulsi leaves offered to the lotus feet of the Lord, great sages like Sanat Kumara became great devotees. Therefore, the devotional process is very nice, and it can be executed in a happy mood. God accepts only the love with which things are offered to him. The essential point to be understood here is that when a living entity surrenders to the Supreme Personality of God and he tells the Lord, My dear Lord, although I am most sinful and unqualified and for so long have been trying to forget you, now I am taking shelter at your lotus feet. From this day on I am yours. Whatever I possess, my body, mind, words, family, riches, I am now offering at your lotus feet. Please do with, you, do with me as you like. Do with me as you like. The Supreme Lord Krishna has repeatedly given assurance in Bhagavad Gita that he will protect and redeem such a surrendered living entity, bringing him back home, back to Godhead for an eternal life in the Lord's own kingdom. Thus, the qualification of surrendering to the Lord is so great and spiritually potent that even if a surrendered soul is deficient in other aspects of pious life, his elevated status is protected by the Lord himself. That was a point I was trying to make in class this morning, just about how the, the main qualification is the surrender. And here in that last sentence, even if he's deficient in other aspects of pious life, if the intention to surrender is there, then he'll prevail. In other processes, however, such, a, such as yoga, because one depends upon his own determination and intelligence and does not actually seek shelter of the Lord, one is subject to fall at any moment, being protected only by the, one's own flimsy limited potency. This is stated in Srimad Bhagavatam 10.2.32 Aruya Krishna Parampadam Tata Patantyato Nadrita Yushmarangraya If one gives up the shelter of the lotus feet of the Supreme Lord and instead tries to advance in the yoga process by one's own determination, or if one tries to make progress in knowledge by one's own speculative power, surely one will eventually fall again to a mediocre material platform, 
having no protection other than one's own fallible strength. Therefore, the Vaishnav Acharyas, in their commentaries on this verse, have illustrated the various ways the vast superiority of have illustrated in various ways the vast superiority of bhakti yoga or pure devotional service. In this connection, Sridhar Swami states, Nimilya netre davan api iha, eshu bhagavata dharmeshu naskalet, nimilanam naman jnanam yatahu shruti smriti ubhe netre viparanam parikirtite ekena vikala kano dvabhyam anda prakirtita iti. Even if running with both eyes closed, a devotee on this path of Bhagavata Dharma will not stumble. Closing one's eyes refers to being in ignorance <coughs> Excuse me. of standard Vedic literatures. It is said, the Shruti and Smriti scriptures are the two eyes of the Brahmanas. Lacking one of them, a Brahman is half-blind and deprived of both. He is considered completely blind. In Bhagavad Gita 10, 10, 11, in Bhagavad Gita 10, <coughs> excuse me, the Lord has clearly stated that even if a devotee is lacking in Vedic knowledge or ignorant of Vaishnava literature, the Lord personally enlightens him from within his heart if a devotee is actually, if the devotee is actually engaged in loving service to the Lord. In this connection, Srila Prabhupada states, when Lord Chaitanya was in Banaras, promulgating the chanting of Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Thousands of people were following him. Have you all been promulgating the chanting of the holy name of the Lord? Prakashananda, a very influential and learned scholar in Banaras at that time, derided Lord Chaitanya for being a sentimentalist. Sometimes philosophers criticize the devotees because they think that most of the devotees are in the darkness of ignorance and are philosophically naive sentimentalists. Actually, that is not the fact. There are very learned scholars who have put forward the philosophy of devotion, but even if a devotee does not take advantage of their literatures or of his spiritual master, if he is sincere in his devotional service, he is helped by Krishna himself within his heart. So a sincere devotee engaged in Krishna consciousness cannot be without knowledge. The only qualification is that one carry out devotional service in full Krishna consciousness. Yet this facility given by the Lord cannot justify unauthorized concoctions put forward about the process of devotional service in the name of spontaneous devotion. In this connection, Srila Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur has stated, Bhagavat Praptyartam Pratan Marga Karanam Twati Dushanam Vaham Eva. If one manufactures his own process of devotional service for the sake of attaining the Supreme Lord, such a concoction will cause total ruination. Srila Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur goes on to quote, Shruti Smriti Paranadi Pancharatra Vinimvina Aikantiki Harir Bhaktir Utpata Yaiva Kalpate. If one's so called unalloyed devotion to Lord Hari does not take into account the regulation of the Shruti Smriti Puranas and Pancharatra, 
It is nothing more than a disturbance to society. In other words, even if one is not learned in the Vedic literatures, if he is engaged in the loving service of the Lord, he is to be accepted as a pure devotee. Nonetheless, such loving devotion cannot in any way contradict the injunctions of the revealed scriptures. Any uh, reflections, points, or questions? Before coming to devotional service, the enemy is impersonal. And after coming to devotional service, the enemy is suddenly identified. Mm -hmm. So, if one just goes on in an artificially spontaneous mode, without having the Shruti and Smriti regard, then one can be diverted in, and that can be a dangerous path to take even for others by one's own example. So before coming to devotional service, the enemy is in personalism. After coming to devotional service, the enemy is Nice. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, regarding the point that uh, Sahaja, just to make it clear for some of the boys, Sahaja actually means, uh, Sahaja means like kind of a, um, something that's natural or casual. And so there, it's taken on a pejorative sense, uh, mostly in the context of those, of a party of people who take to Gaudiya Vaishnavism, but then uh, take it very cheaply. They don't actually follow the process, but they imitate very advanced people who are already on the spontaneous platform. And uh, these beginners bypass the rules and regulations of Vaidhi Bhakti and uh, Hare Krishna, come on in. There's plenty of space over here. No, not at all. Welcome, welcome. Is that clear, Bhakta Jose, about Sahajism? Uh, I'm, I'm kind of still <laughs> in the beginning processes, but I'm trying to, to absorb it. Yeah, so it's just there's a way in which uh, people sometimes take to the the process of devotional service, but then they um, don't follow the actual process that's uh, given in the Shastra and by the Acharyas. And they claim that they're already uh, very advanced, and therefore they imitate um, those who are advanced. And um, oftentimes, Sahajas will uh, display emotional symptoms that are there for very advanced devotees before they actually uh, have uh, the same emotions that match the symptoms. And an example given by one of our acharyas, Gorkishore Das Babaji Maharaj, he said that these sahajas are like a young woman who wants to have a child. And she goes to the maternity ward and she hears another woman in the ward giving birth to a child in the next room and she's um, you know, expressing the pain of labor. And um, so then the woman, this young woman goes home and she's thinking to have a child, what you have to do is make these sounds <laughs> like the, you know, the woman in labor. And so in a similar way, oftentimes people who um, buy, try to bypass the, the uh, practice of bhakti, beginning with following rules and regulations, 
given by the spiritual master in the scripture, and then they just pretend like they're actually advanced. And as an example, sometimes those who are very advanced when they're chanting Hare Krishna, tears come to their eyes. So they would then uh, induce tears, thinking that if I do that, then I'll get the love for Krishna. That's one example of Sahajism. Or taking, we, we take the word and the, the uh, genre of Sahajism or those who do this kind of uh, bypass of the process to be, um, that they're taking it cheaply. They don't actually put, want to put the work in, so to speak. Javi Prabhu had a point, right? And then thinking that also in the scripture is mentioned, and we have seen in Bengal and other places, an extreme case of Sahajas where, where they dressed as a woman and they display all types of emotions. In fact, at one point in 1976, I think, when there was a stage, remember that there was a stage and there was some, some Kirtanias were there from Bengal were hired, in fact. And uh, it was quite uh, impressive what they could do and sing and, uh, and Prabhupada dismissed it immediately. He said, no, 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 this is not what we want. Right. Yeah. Yes, and also the experience. They don't have a regard for Bhagavad Gita and you know, they think this is a preliminary scripture. Yes. And you know, we, we want something very high, you know, about the past times of and over time, they still already read the Bhagavad Gita. You know, now, I want to go to the Yeah, this is another attitude. Yes, yes. And but we find Acharyas, all the Acharyas comment on Bhagavad Gita, revere Bhagavad Gita. Uh, Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu himself, when he's instructing both Sanatana and Rupa Goswami, quotes from Bhagavad Gita again and again. And it's quite the opposite, that a person is becoming advanced uh, sees more in the Bhagavad Gita, relishes more in the Bhagavad Gita, and actually, uh, you know, sees even more esoteric points as, as he or she's going more deeply in it. And it, it's funny you mention that because just somebody texted me yesterday saying that somebody told me, don't read Bhagavad Gita, just read Nectar Devotion and Chaitanya Charamita. So these things go around. And they've been around for a while. There is a case in Los Angeles, right after the Chaitanya Charter Media came out in 1975, where a group of ill-advised devotees started a club called the Gopi Bhava Club, where they would only read from the Chaitanya Charter Mita and only certain sections that were talking about the conjugal affairs between Krishna and, and Radharani and, and his other intimate associates in the spiritual world. And they reasoned that they would uh, exclusively hear this, the exclusion of Bhagavad Gita and other, you know, lower literatures and so forth. And uh, Prabhupada had, had to, um, to break those clubs up and explain to them that they, they weren't uh, uh, qualified to hear. There's a natural way in which one develops an affinity for a hearing a particular kind of devotional uh, about a particular <coughs> devotional service performed by by a certain devotee in the spiritual world, but it happens naturally and organically over time. 
as one uh, performs all the rules and regulations of devotional service and hears for a long, long time and actually develops real devotional sentiments. There is a way in which one becomes deaf, but one shouldn't do it artificially as it won't produce the result. Any other points? Already the conditioned soul is having a tendency of thinking itself overqualified. Mm. It's very deeply rooted because of the desire of fame. It, in spiritual society also it will bring about the same... Bring the same baggage in. The, the same baggage now will become famous, famous as a devotee, yes. right? Which is detrimental to the practice. Point. <laughs> okay, we're continuing. Here we are on eleventh uh, canto, second chapter, and we're taking up in the middle of the uh, text thirty-five purport. Where do you suppose I am now? Such groups as the Prakrita Sajjas ignore the standard regulations of Vaishnava Dharma and engage in illicit, degraded activities, dressing as Radha and Krishna in the name of spontaneous devotion. This is something Prabhupada brought up when he was um, warning people about, about the Gopi Bhava Club. He said, so many of you, like, <coughs> he noted that a lot of the people engaged in that had already had <coughs> failed marriages and run off with other people's wives, all these kinds of things. And it's like, uh, he said, we're not the boycott. We're not into boycotting the, the, the gopis or Radharani. That's not the point. point is you have to be ready uh, to um, engage in such activities, and you're not. And he, you know, he just took one grain of rice from the pot and said, you know, from what I've seen of the interactions of devotees at this time, that there's uh, a great lacking of mm -hmm. spiritual advancement. Question. Yes. Some pleasure reading uh, Krishna Lila in its. Um, well, I don't know about that specifically, but Prabhupada does say that the Hajjas, when they chant Nitai and uh, Goranga's name, then they actually feel some ecstasy. Because Nitai and Goranga are so merciful that even if someone's a Sahaja, if they say Nitai and Gor, then they. They'll tears, legitimate tears come to their eyes. So much for that song, I mean, wherever we sing it, people go nuts. I mean, because it's like, and we had that experience. It weren't Prakrita Sajjas, but they're Mayavadis. They joined us for a little while when we were at um, <clears throat> Dameshwar Mahaprabhu Temple in Navadvi. And we were chanting Hare Krishna for an hour, and they just stood there. They wouldn't move. The lips didn't move. And then we started singing Doyal Ni Chaitanya, and they went crazy. They started dancing, and they couldn't help themselves. So Prabhupada does mention that, that they get that kind of feeling. And the other, uh, other point that's related to that in the Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu is that Prabhupada mentions, or Rupa Goswami, Prabhupada in the summary says that there's a way in which by association with a pure devotee, uh, there's a, a moonshine kind of effect. The shining that comes from the pure devotion of a pure devotee, it can give somebody this shadow attachment. It's, they, they become spontaneously uh, enlivened by the association of a pure devotee. It's not that that's false either. It's just that uh, 
one has to build one's own foundation to be able to sustain that level of, of uh, advancement. But, but anyone, even those who are um, neophytes or prakrita sahajas or something in the association of pure devotee can have some taste. And this is continuing again. They claim, that is the sages, that because such spontaneous devotion is revealed by the Lord himself, they need not refer to standard scriptures. Similarly, all over the world there are pseudo-religionists who manufacture their own processes and claim that they are receiving knowledge from the Lord himself within their hearts. Therefore, it is very important to understand, as stated here, that spontaneous revelation by the Lord within the heart is meant not to alter the eternal process of devotional service to the Lord, but to give a supplementary facility to a sincere devotee who is ignorant of revealed scriptures. In other words, the revealed scriptures describe the eternal process of service to the Lord. Since the Lord is eternal and the living entity is eternal, the process of their loving relationship is also eternal. The Lord never changes his essential nature, nor does the living entity. Therefore, there is no need to change the essential process of loving service to the Lord. Special revelation by the Lord is meant to give scriptural knowledge by another means, and not to contradict scriptural knowledge. On the other hand, Srila Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur has stated that if a devotee is executing all the basic principles of bhakti yoga, and advancing in devotional service, such a Vaishnava should not be criticized for neglecting the secondary procedures. For example, as Divine Grace A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada established hundreds of spiritual communities in the Western countries for practicing Krishna consciousness, the devotees in these communities give up all illicit sex, gambling, intoxication, and mediating, and constantly engage in service to Krishna. Such followers of Srila Prabhupada are able to make wonderful spiritual advancement and convert many thousands of people to the process of devotional service. In fact, all the faithful members of ISKCON who follow the standard regulations remain free from material uh, contamination and make visible progress in going back home back to Godhead. Such members of ISKCON cannot possibly execute all the details of the Varnashrama Dharma system in fact, many Westerners can barely pronounce Sanskrit words and are not very expert in performing elaborate sacrifices based on chanting of mantras and offering of oblations. But because they are executing all the essential principles of bhakti yoga by giving up material sense gratification and constantly engaging in loving service to the Lord, to Krishna, their position is guaranteed both in this life and the next. Everyone okay? We have seen many sophisticated Sanskrit scholars and learned experts in the details of Vedic sacrifice who can hardly even follow the basic principles of human life, namely no illicit sex, no meat-eating, no gambling, and no intoxication. Such brilliant scholars and ritualistic performers are generally seen to be attached to a materialistic conception of life and are fond of mental speculation. Although in Bhagavad Gita the Lord himself has given perfect knowledge for all time, such so-called scholars consider themselves more intelligent than the Lord and thus speculate on the meaning of Vedic literature. Such speculation certainly constitutes a fall from perfect spiritual life 
and what then to, is to be said of materialistic fruit of activities which are illusory in every sense of the term. The transcendental devotees are able to remain aloof from the pollution of fruit of activity and mental speculation, and that is the essential purport of this verse. Srila Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur has warned that the words yan asthaya indicate that the exalted status of a Vaishnava can never be accorded to one who is not following the basic regulations of bhakti yoga, nor can it apply to one who is sometimes serving Krishna and sometimes serving the illusory energy, maya, by mental speculation or fruit of activities. Srila Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur has concluded, in all dharmas other than Bhagavata Dharma, one must consider the conditioned soul's qualifications. Important point. But a soul surrendered to the Lord is never confounded by error, even if unqualified in all other respects. His feet never stumble and he never falls. Even though wandering in the world at whim, he always resides in an auspicious place by the influence of his unswerving worship. Huh? That's amazing. Yeah. Narayana Paraksarvena Kutashana Bibhyati Swarga Pavarga Narakeshu Apitulyarta Darshana for a person who's engaged in unalloyed devotional service, heaven and hell are the same. Doesn't um, mind the environment because his only intention is to remain engaged in pure devotional service. Tuliarta, it's equal to him. Even though wandering in the world at whim, he always resides in an auspicious place by the influence of his unswerving worship. The unique potency of Bhagavata Dharma does not... Wait one second, we're almost done with the purport. The unique potency of Bhagavata Dharma does not appear in any of the other dharmas of the world. There is no comparison between a surrendered individual who has taken shelter of Bhagavata Dharma and the practitioner of any other dharma. Now you... Although, we're uh, regretfully letting you go. Thank you very much for coming and thanks for the, the work you're doing to spread Krishna consciousness. Just recently he went on book distribution every day for six months without, without one break. <laughs> one word, nectar. Thank you. Hare Krishna. Okay, come on out. We'll be there, Krishna willing. Jai Ho. Uh oh. We're not past time, are we? Are we? Oh. What a shame. Sorry about that. Okay. Everyone has to go, huh? Okay. Well, let's just uh, wrap it up. We'll take any last points or instructions. And if you want the full version, you can come to Govardhan. Because <laughs> there we don't ever have to stop. Yes? What, what is the subject matter of this day? First we're reading Krishna book. We'll read the whole Krishna book, Krishna willing. Then we're going to read the 8th and 9th canto. Ah, oh. Such enthusiasm. Oh. Great. That's good. Great, great. Because last year we did finish through the seventh, right? Yes. Yeah. So we'll keep going. And yeah. Any other points? You got to go. No. Oh.
<laughs> I just want to wrap up any last points. I think it's really important this, uh, you know, this verse in purport, and it's just indicating it, it's a fine line. You know, you could say that uh, run with eyes closed, you don't need the Vedic knowledge, it can be misused by saying that then I just won't follow any regulations, but that's not what it's saying. It's saying those are engaged uh, in good faith, meaning they're following to the best of their ability, even though they may be inept at taking at certain uh, parts of the process, they do to their best ability following the footsteps of the acharyas in the way that they've passed down the process. They will not be bereft of any of the effects of pure devotional service. And um, that's the potency of, of direct process. Yes, Prabhu? Comparison was being made about uh, the, how devotional uh, service is far more superior to the process. I think I read some analogy somewhere, like maybe I don't recollect, but the analogy is about the young one of a monkey and the young one of a Cat. tiger. Mm -hmm. and the young one of a monkey has to hold on to the mother by her own effort. But uh, the cub uh, just surrenders to the mother, and the mother very gently picks her up by her own jaws and transports her. That's right. Okay then. Thank you. Banshu Kalpa the Rishcha Kripasan Vevacha Patitanam Pavani Go Vaishnavibhya. Nachari Armarman, Nachari Armarman, Nachari Armarman, Nachari Armarman, hey, Nachari Armarman, Nachari Armarman, Nachari Armarman, Nachari Armarman.